Well, good morning, everybody, and Pastor Todd, thank you for the opportunity to be here, and uh, welcome for those of you that are watching. Very, very thankful that you uh, decided to join us this morning, and and I, I just want to start by by a personal note, and uh, that is thank you so much, folks, for praying for uh, for Peggy and I and our family and our recent health struggles. I um, I, I am very thankful and rejoicing in the Lord that uh, I am uh, now a COVID survivor. Uh, I did test positive and then also tested positive for the antibody test. I talked to a nurse this week from uh, the State Department of Health who did the official phone call interview with me. And I am uh, very, very thankful and rejoicing that the symptoms were not bad. And because of my asthma situation, uh, we decided very early on that, uh, that I'm a guy that needs to be careful and so on. So most of you know, I mean, I've been missing, I've missed church here for a couple of weeks anyway, trying to lay low. And so now I'm just thankful that, very, very thankful that God allowed us to get through it. And, uh, and uh, I started with a, with a fever, and I just had a fever for a couple of days, and then Peggy had a fever for a, couple of, uh, for a few days longer than that. And I, I got one COVID test that came back indeterminate, and then did another one, and then did the antibody test, and yeah, talked to every health professional in my life, and so I am. I, I can rejoice in, to say with confidence, I got one of those letters from the state that I can go back to work, and so here I am. But uh, but anyway, uh, thank you for praying for us. That that I'm a guy that struggles with asthma anyway, and I'm very very thankful that the symptoms were not bad, and yet in my heart, pray for those, Pastor Lee. Uh, my older brother found out that he has COVID. He's a pastor in Florida, and I'm praying for him and his family and several others. And so I, I just rejoice in how God took care of me and Peggy and thankful that we're on the end of that. And I say all of that because God worked out the timing because our daughter, Christy, flew home from, uh, from Germany as well. And so she arrived in the States and uh, this week, and we picked her up on Thursday from the Philadelphia airport, and she had a negative um, a COVID test as well. And so she's being careful back here in the States, as, she, as you know, the whole Pennsylvania thing and all of that about the quarantine. And so, yeah, thank you very much for praying for us and our family. Uh, that, is a, uh, that is a tremendous blessing to know that our friends are praying and uh, very, very thankful. And thanks for letting me take just a couple of minutes to give that to give that update and thanks for tuning in online this morning please take your bibles and turn with me to james chapter 3 we're going to be at the end of james chapter 3 and uh, uh you'll notice on the screen and i put this on our facebook announcements that the title of our message the message this morning is garbage in garbage out that is a phrase that has uh, been around actually since the 50s by the uh, magic of Google and Wikipedia, I looked it up, and that's actually, it started as a uh, term that was used in the uh, computer science world that basically says you put faulty data in, you're going to get the wrong conclusions out. And that's really how it started. I think everybody here understands that we are living in a day where maybe thought life issues, what we put into our mind, may be the key issue of our day. And it is amazing to me that all the way back in Bible times that James uh, talked about that, even in that culture and in that time, about the importance of putting the right kind of things into our minds. Because you put garbage in, the garbage is there, but it also is going to come out, and we want to talk about that. I think here's, a, here's an illustration that we all understand. I wanted to be uh, following the vein of Pastor Todd, and so I actually, the last couple of days, did a, uh, a search of some of my old emails to prove that we need to be discerning about what we put into our minds. Did you ever get offers or see an offer from something on... Uh, on, on social media or an email or whatever, and this proves in my mind that, uh, yeah, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So this is just Mel Walker's top 10 list 
of offers. And I went, I went last night, I went through my trash in my, uh, in my computer, my email thing, and I went through the deleted files. And I found, over the years, I found 10 different things. And so here's the conclusions that I made. Kohl's, number one, is not giving away free gift cards to the first 100 people that uh, fill in their, their survey. They're not. Number two, no one ever smuggled themselves to another city in somebody else's suitcase. That did not happen. Um, I, I came to the conclusion that Facebook can still use your pictures even if you tell them not to, right? I came to the conclusion that you cannot change the algorithm of Facebook by making up 30 different fake profiles on, on, uh, on Facebook. That's probably not going to happen. Nike is not giving away. Nike is not giving away autographed Air Jordan shoes if you post this to the 100 friends. They're not. Okay? And you can ask me later how I know some of these things. Um, my car warranty company is not going to uh, call me to remind me to extend my car warranty. I, I get those phone calls like every day. And, and a lot of them look like they're local phone calls. We're, we're from your warranty company. And they don't know what kind of car. They don't know what the warranty is, but they want me to sign up for that. That's probably not going to happen. Um, you need to be careful of this one probably. But most likely, your Social Security number was not compromised by some guy in Dallas. That's, that's a new one. Most likely, it's not. And the Social Security Department is probably not going to call you about that. Um, the IRS is not going to repossess your house if you do not give them your credit card number. That's probably not how it works. You need to be careful about that one as well. Uh, some random Facebook friend probably does not have an embarrassing picture of you, a video of you of high school. In fact, they didn't have videos when I was in high school, so I'm not sure that they have embarrassing videos. And if they do, uh, please show them to me first if you, if you find those out there somewhere. And then I have also come to the conclusion that the wife of a prince in Kenya is really not going to give me $10 million, even though, uh, boy, that'd be great, and I would share it with you, but that's probably not going to happen as well. I'll tell you, that those are my top ten, but I'll tell you a real one that I've had to be discerning about. Um, you know, Pastor Todd is my son, and we work together here at the church, and I want you to know, I, I haven't revealed this publicly yet other than to my family, and so Pastor Todd knows about this. But I want you to know that I often, and we work together, right? I often get emails from Pastor Todd Walker. I do. At my church email address. My church email address is mel at, at uh, wyomingvalleychurch.org. And I often get emails. I often get emails about at, at least once a week from Pastor Todd Walker asking me to do him a favor. Okay, one of those is that I was here in the building with Pastor Todd. I was sitting out in the, uh, in the, in the cafe area by the, by the Bible study bistro area, and Todd, Pastor Todd was in his office working. I could see him. We were probably 10 feet away from each other, and I get an email from Pastor Todd Walker asking me if I would go to the store right then and buy gift cards for him. I did, and, I, and this email said that he was busy in a counseling session and couldn't go and that I was welcome to buy and keep a couple of gift cards for myself just for doing that, just, to be, just for being generous. So I looked at him. I mean, again, we're 10 feet away. I looked at him and said, uh, how, you know, how many gift cards should I get? You know, where should I go get? <laughs> it's like it was, it was, it's all a con. It's all, it's all made up. And so I... I wrote back to the guy, I did, and I said, well, it's kind of funny because I'm looking at you right now, and you're not in a counseling session. I got one the very next week that said he was busy in prayer, and I'm very thankful that God's Word says we can pray without ceasing, but we were at lunch, and I knew he really wasn't praying in the moment, so I don't think it was our Todd Walker that was asking me for gift cards. My point is, folks, 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 um, Let's be discerning what we put into our minds. We're going to get to this, but there's two main principles. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about the text first. 
But we're going to wind up by talking about two main principles that I put on the notes if you had them on the Facebook page. And here they are. What we put into our mind comes out of our life. Folks, what we put into our mind comes out of our life. And maybe even worse and maybe even more devastating is that what we put into our mind stays there. Okay, stays in there. And this passage, I think, is incredibly practical. Uh, This is a passage that God has used in my life. As Pastor Todd said, I've been kind of mulling on this in my life personally. And I want you to know, I mean, if I had the ability, I would look at you right in the eyeballs this morning and say, this message is for me as well. This is very, very practical, very, very important because... Without a doubt, the number one issue, technology, without, without a doubt, the number one issue, probably the struggle that all of us have, is going to be what we put into our minds. And we'll get there. This passage talks about what we put in comes out, and what we put in stays in there, which right away tells us how important God's Word is and the wisdom is from God. Let me read the passage for you. In James 3, here's our text for today, James 3, 13 through 18. James 3, 13 through 18. Let me read it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. James is using masculine pronouns. Let me just stop for a minute. But it's also what it means in that culture is for all of us. It's not just a guy thing, okay? Let me keep reading. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, verse 15, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Verse 16, for where envy and, envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that's the Word of God. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Here's the principle that I want to share with you uh, throughout the message today. This passage starts, the author, James, is writing to these believers who are scattered because of persecution. And honestly, James is an incredibly practical book then, and it is today as well. It's one of my favorites. And basically, he starts with this principle, and that is this, that our life shows what we believe. Our life demonstrates what we believe. That is absolutely emphatic. I put that on the PowerPoint slide, and I put an exclamation point there. That is the point today. And that is our life. The text is clear. That's the point of this passage, that our life demonstrates what we believe. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. If you, what I've had to learn personally the last couple of weeks is that what I believe better show up in my life when I was faced with a crisis or potentially bad news, right? That's when our theology better kick in what we believe. And then also if our life is a mess, then it's probably a reflection of what we've put into our mind. One of the things that we're going to talk about a lot today, and I want you to go back sometime and study this, is James uses, I think, an incredibly practical illustration, and that is he says that the, we've talked about this, that the Bible is a mirror. So my goal for me, for me, for Pastor Todd, for all of you, is this morning, take the mirror of the Word of God and take a hard 
long look. And I'm, folks, I love you, and I'm talking to me too. Take a hard, long look at yourself through the lens, through the mirror of Scripture. And that's what I'm hoping that we'll do today. Now, in this passage, we're going to look at the passage real quick. I'm going to go rapid fire, slow down for a few things. And I'm going to talk to you about the words, about the language. You know that I'm a fan of that. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk about the two principles at the end. Okay, that's what we're going to do today. <clears throat> in this passage, there is a very clear contrast. The language talks about that. The passage talks about that. But also, there is this... Uh, and so you have, if you saw the notes... There's a couple of charts that I have there, and if not, you can certainly build your own chart or take a picture I, I don't, of the screen or whatever, I don't care. Or if you want, after the fact, I can give you, honestly, I can give you the chart that's already filled in. I'm very willing to do that. But I'm going to go through the language and talk about the contrast in this passage, the difference between what this passage calls earthly wisdom and then the heavenly wisdom, the, he, the, the wisdom that comes from God, which is for us in the Word of God, okay? So that let's let's talk about that, this contrast. So I'll show it to you in the text. Notice I, I outlined in, the, or I mean, in, in color, in the font, that it talks about this wisdom, verse 15, does not descend from, does not descend from above, but is earthly. So the first chart, I'm going to talk with you about earthly wisdom. The second part of the contrast, it says 17, okay, verse 17, but... The contrast, in contrast to what I've just said, the wisdom that is from above. So I'm going to talk about heavenly wisdom. Second, we're going to talk about earthly wisdom and then heavenly wisdom. So I want you to notice that clear, clear contrast. And here's the principle again. Our life demonstrates what we believe. So again, I am, I am begging you folks, for, and this is for me too, go to the mirror of the Word of God. And, and let's not do like, boy, I know somebody who needs this. That's a very, in fact, this text talks about that. Right? Is that it's very, it's very human for us to look at a passage like this and say, aha, Freddie, <laughs> you know, or Mary, or, you know, somebody needs this. You know, my, my spouse, my brother, my... What, no, no, no. Let's talk about the mirror of God's Word. And let's look at our own lives and see, see if this is something that God is going to convict us of as we go, as we go through this. So let's, let's do this chart. I built this chart, Earthly Wisdom, James 3, 13 through 18. And let's look at some of the words that are used there. Um, and, and then we'll come back and we'll take a look at the two principles so again, let me, I'm just going to talk about the, the contrast for a minute, for a few minutes, of earthly wisdom and then heavenly wisdom. So here's the list. Notice on the chart that's there. I gave you a list of the adjectives, of the words that are there. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a Bible study about um, what they mean. The first one has this phrase that the wisdom that is from the earthly, uh, the earthly wisdom the first characteristic there in verse 15, but if you have bitter envy, New King James, or bitter jealousy, did you ever um, eat something that has a bitter taste, right? It's not pleasant, it's something, and that's what the word bitterness here. And the Bible has a lot to say about bitterness, but it has the idea of something that's very little, that's harsh, that's harsh tasting. You know what I mean. If you taste something that's bitter, you have that aftertaste. But it's also a word that could mean sharp. Like, for instance, you get a little pebble in your shoe. And it's a little thing, right? And if you don't take care of it, I mean, it turns into Mount Everest. It's a little thing. And so right away, he says, if there is harsh or sharp, and then he talks about envy or jealousy. And that's a word that talks about destructive feelings. And all of a sudden, this gets, this gets really real. Really real? Is that okay to say? This gets, this gets very, very real. And that is, again, don't forget, we're going to the mirror of the Word of God. Is this me? Do I do that? Do I have these harsh, sharp destructive feelings 
There is so much anger and hate in our world today, and I think that might be, this passage says, I mean, there's a sense where there are people that just have that personality, but again, don't forget the Bible is one message, and this Bible talks about it. If we're putting that kind of thing into our mind, folks, it's likely to come out. It's going to come out. Read the passage right before this in James 3. It talks about that, the tongue. It's likely to come out, and it's likely to harbor those feelings inside and stay there too, like the little pebble in your shoe. Unless you get it out of there, it's going to turn into a problem, right? Very, very practical. Bitter envy or bitter jealousy. Number two, self-seeking. Oh, my goodness. If there's anything that's true about our culture, most of you know that I'm a youth ministry guy. I've been involved with young people for a long, long time. The sin of narcissism, the sin of idolizing self, that's a term there that means extreme selfishness, extreme selfishness. Narcissist was that guy in ancient literature. He looked into a pool of water and saw himself and realized how beautiful he was and he did everything for himself because he thought he was the prettiest person that ever lived. I mean, that's, that's our culture today. And we're taught almost in every way, put ourselves first, that, that extreme selfishness is, is prevalent today. That, that if we're self-seeking, we're really not demonstrating the love of Christ. Next, number three, boasting. This goes together, and that is uh, a lot of these things fit. And the Bible does that often, especially in the list of sin. There's almost like a progression that's there, and here it is. That's a, another term that means I'm arrogant and I'm going to tell you about it. Self-glorying, self-glorifying. That I'm, I'm the best there's ever lived and I'm going to tell you about it. That, and, and that is, I mean, we, 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 we don't ever believe that that's us. But if we act that way, that all we can talk about is ourselves, all we can build up is ourselves. And, and this is interesting because... The, the, these two phrases, remember I said that there's often a progression in the Bible? And in the language of the Bible, it looks like that's the way here. And that is, that boasting, that arrogance, that self-glorifying leads to lying. And I was thinking a lot about that, that about this week, getting ready for this message. And it's often, I think, a case where we lie to ourselves. And that is, we tell ourselves that we're something great, that we're something better than we are. And I think if there's anything from the Word of God that we need to go to the Word of God and, and that is get a reality check and that we're sinners, safe by grace. We're sinners. We deserve hell. And don't try to lie to ourselves and tell us that we're something that we're not. Tell, them that, tell us that we deserve something that we don't. And we often end up lying to ourselves. And this is a term that has to do with habitual lying and that we contradict the truth. And we often do that to ourselves. Why? I think James would say it's because we're putting that kind of stuff into our mind instead of the reality check of the Word of God. Earthly wisdom, and that's one of the words that's here. Earthly here is a word that means limited to the present. <coughs> Excuse me, the present material world. Thinking about what I have or what I need. You know, it's Christmas time and we tend to all do that. You know, we have children in our lives and we certainly you know what do you want for Christmas or whatever again I've been a youth ministry guy for a long time and I think we've I, I do I think we've asked for generations we've asked our young people the wrong question honey what do you want to do when you grow up and I think what we need to do is what does God want you to do that's what James would say and I think if we look at our lives about what I want to do um yeah, we're going to lie to ourselves to get it. We're going to boast. We're going to be self-seeking. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be limited to the present material world and to realize that that's not where God lives, that God lives in eternity. And if there's anything that we better think about, it's to live a life for eternity. Okay? Another one here is the word sensuality. Folks, I think this is where Satan has got a vice grip on our minds and that we do that and almost don't even think about putting that corrupt, the animalistic instincts into our mind, the things that have to do with sexual immorality. The Bible talks that about that a lot. 
I remember years ago, I'll tell you just a quick illustration about that. My family and I, when we first decided um, to put our kids in a public school, I'm just shooting straight with you, just trying to be honest with you. And that is we went to a meeting at the school system where we lived with the principal about the subject of sex education in school. And I remember the, the guy that was in charge of that, the, the so-called ex expert, kept saying that their job was to teach, this is the thing that stuck in my mind, you know, value-free sex education. And that it was the parents' job to teach the values. And I started to think about that. I, wait a minute, wait a minute. Value-free and that is no values at all? That means anything, any animalistic instinct, excuse me for harshness here, but that's true. Any instinct is okay. And that's not what I want for my kids. I want my kids to understand that God does have a standard. And if we're putting that kind of sensuality in our minds, then that's what's going to come out of our lives. No wonder that's got a vice grip. And that's what's going to stay there. And no wonder the sin of pornography has a vice grip on culture today. And James talked about that way back then. Here's another one, demonic. This is interesting because I think this is a word that often talks about, you know, things that are satanic that are legitimately satanic. And there's a lot of that out there today too. And that it, it just, it's, folks, it slays me. Look in the mirror of the word of God. We're talking about me, okay? But that we don't have any problem putting those things into our mind. And we shouldn't. The idea here with that word demonic is it do the things that the devil would do. Lie. Cheat. Steal. You know, the things that Satan does and that we end up doing. I think that's the idea here that James is talking about. Here's another one. Huge today. And that is the, that confusion is earthly wisdom. It's a word that means disorder or, dis, or, or instability. I think, I, I, folks, I'm just shooting straight with you. I think that's a big one. And I, and I, think, I think this passage talks about why. And that is, I, I, I know so many believers that claim Christ but that don't know what to do. Again, I'm just shooting straight with you. You know I love you. But they, they, they don't know what to do about decisions. They don't know what to do about God's will for their life. And James is getting to a passage where, where it talks a lot about the will of God. And look up that phrase sometime. Get out your computer and look up the phrase, the will of God in Scripture, and how specific and how detailed that is. And if there's confusion, we need to understand 1 Corinthians 14 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33 says, God is not the author of confusion. I'm just, again, I'll just shoot straight with you. The times in my life where I have been away from the Word of God, those are the times that I'm confused about what I should do next, what, what I should do with major decisions in my life. If I am filling my mind with the Word of God and consistent in my own study of the Word of God, God shows me from His Word what I need to do with my life. I'll mention this more in just a minute. There's been lots of times where I don't know what to do. Little decisions or things here, don't know what to say. When that happens to you, folks, when that happens, that's a great indication that we, that should drive us to the Word of God because God's Word has answers. And God is not the author of confusion. Does that make sense? I think we need to realize that confusion, that instability, is a big one today. And if that's, if that's us, then I think this passage tells us why. Okay, does that make sense? And then the last one is, James kind of wraps this up by saying, well, every evil thing. And this is, uh, actually in this text, this is a very interesting word too. Because every evil thing, this is a word that basically means anything that's evil, anything that's wrong, anything that's sin. And this is a word that was used in the Greek language, and it you know, sounds like, James is making a, a point to that culture. It means anything from something that is just worthless, not, not important, it's, it's vain, vanity, like Ecclesiastes talks about, or something that is vile, hardcore sin. And so James would say, be careful of all of those things. The other side of the contrast is heavenly wisdom. So we look at that. Here's the question before we fill out this side of the chart, folks. And that is, look, look, look back. 
Remember, the Bible is the mirror. The mirror of the Word of God. Look into the mirror of the Word of God. Is that what you want your life to be? I, I looked at that list over and over and over and over and over again this week. I don't want to be that. That's not what I want for my life. That's not what I want for my kids. That's not what I want for my grandkids. And so I better be thinking about what they're putting, what I'm putting into my mind, right? Aha! <laughs> James talks about that. Heavenly wisdom. He says in the beginning, but the wisdom that is from above. I love that. That God is the source, not us. And I know you know this, but let me just emphatically say, the wisdom that we have that is from above is the wisdom that is from the Word of God. It is the wisdom that comes from knowing the Scriptures. And, and to me, it's interesting that the Bible itself uses phrases like meditate, to fill our mind, that God's Word becomes such a part of our lives that we think Bible, that we think biblically, that God's Word permeates, we meditate on it. And I think James is mentioning here the wisdom that's from above is, let's just say, that's, it's, it's God is the source. And again, I'm going to say, there's been lots of times in my life where I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say. I've told you some of the stories where those occasions need to drive me to the Word of God so that God gives me that clarity, God gives me that understanding, God gives me that answers. And there's lots of times in life where I still don't know where, okay, hey, let's figure this out together. Let's go to the Word of God. And if you have those questions, then, then yeah, let, let's go to the Word of God and find answers. I, I don't know the answers always. But if we can fill our mind with God's Word, then God's Word is what's going to give us the clarity, the wisdom that is from above. Number two says there in the text, that uh, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Okay, that, that's an interesting part here as well. Purity, we understand, means free from c contamination. You know, it's like pure drinking water. You know, it's like you want, you want the contaminants to be taken out. I mean, it needs to be pure or purified is the word. Right, that free from contamination. And that's interesting that James says, first do this. And... It's, it's like in this passage that this highlights everything else because the very next thing he says is then peaceable. Again, I'm going to go back and say that purity, especially purity, especially as it relates to the thought life and what we put into our minds is probably the key issue of our day. And there are so many temptations to put garbage into our mind that stays there, that controls our lives, controls our thought process, and comes out by sinful practices. Like the mirror of God's word tell us that. So here, then peaceable. Peace with others. Peace that is produced by humility. Boy, we need that one today, don't we? Even Christians fight and argue and take stands about things like there's righteousness to that. Make sure that you're standing on the principles of the Word of God. Make sure that that's, that that's the case. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. I wanted that for my kids. I knew that if I base Christianity on rules and regulations, that those things are going to change when culture changes. But the principles of the Word of God never do. We'll talk about that in a minute. Gentle. That's a word I actually love in the Bible. Today we have this idea that, uh, for men, right, that gentleness is, is a weakness. Not at all. Like the word meekness in Scripture. That is not a weakness. The word gentleness has to do with strength, but under control. Don't you want that? That, that strength is not, I, I remember, I, I've told you this story, when I was growing up, my dad, for, a lot, for, a, for, for quite a while, was, had, had a really bad temper. And when I saw my dad change, and when I saw my dad control his temper, then that strength is under control. That's a very, very good thing. When you know someone is strong, but they control it, they control their emotions, or they, they allow God to control it. And that's the idea of gentleness. And again, don't, don't you want to be that? I do. 
I don't want to be this guy that's always out of control, that's always flying off the handle, that's always arguing like the other side of the chart that we talked about and always making an argument that's building myself up and I have to, I have to build myself up to make you look bad. This text talks about that. Another one is reasonable. Don't you want to be that? Someone that's teachable, that's not stubborn. Boy, my goodness, stubbornness dominates culture today. And willing to listen, willing to understand, willing to hear somebody else's viewpoint, as long as you understand that it's based upon the Word of God and not necessarily their opinion. Full of mercy. A genuine concern that leads to a desire to help. Full of mercy. Mercy is one of those God-given things, and I'm not necessarily good at it. But I think if we put the right kind of things in our minds, God will help us with that aspect of our personality, full of good fruits, that godly works. That's what this whole passage is talking about, that godly works are demonstrated, the fruit that comes out of our life. Okay, okay, here it is, right? Look in the mirror of God's Word. Be honest with yourself, right? And I'm trying to do that today. And that is, what are those things that come out of my life? Are they godly? Or are they selfish, earthly, sensual, demonic, things that the devil would do? Without partiality, that's something that dominates culture today. Without partiality, it means uh, it has has the idea of of indecision or vacillation here, there, everywhere. You never really know where that person stands because they vacillate on, on everything. And then the last one is without hypocrisy. probably, no matter what age you are, right, all of us, we hate hypocrisy in others. But again, let's look at the mirror of the Word of God. Fake, playing a role, or being insincere. Being insincere. I think God wants us to live our lives and have biblical decisions that without indecision, that no vacillation, without hypocrisy and going back to the, the peace of the Word of God and those kinds of things. God wants us to be the people that make decisions that are based upon the Word of God and our convictions. I, I love the story, and I've talked to you about this, in Daniel 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where Nebuchadnezzar built a huge idol and said, if you don't bow down when the band plays, you're going to go into the burning, fiery furnace. Everybody bowed down, everybody hit the dirt, except... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love that story, first of all, for believers. First of all, because they're always mentioned together. Read it, Daniel 3, read it. So build other believers in your life that that stand for God, for the Word of God. But why did they stand? I've talked to you about that before. Why did they know? They were slaves in an enemy land miles, miles away from where they grew up. Everybody would have said, give in, give in, do what you're told, do like everybody else does. Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. (coughs) Why? I think it's because they knew the word of God. They knew the law. They knew the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no graven image. God's word says this, so I'm not bowing down. No matter what. If you're a parent, don't you want that for your kids? That your kids grow up knowing what God's Word says and knowing how to stand for God and they find friends that are like that too, that have the convictions, not just the unreasonable worldly things that this text talks about, but convictions that are based upon principles of the Word of God that don't change. If you live in Berlin, Germany, like my daughter, if you live in Montrose, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, or you live in California, or wherever, whatever, whatever decade you live in, God's Word doesn't change. And I think it's important that we understand that. So again, you look at that list. It's from above. It's pure. It's peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Isn't that what you want? Yeah. So then let's put that into our mind. So I'm going to wrap all of this up. That's the text, except for a couple of key phrases, and I'm going to highlight that as we close. So in all of this thing I said today, there's two guiding principles. 
Let me just tell you what they are, and they're there on your notes. Number one is what you put into your mind, James 3, 13 through 18. There's two guiding principles here, folks, and that is this. What you put into your mind comes out in your life. Our lives demonstrate what we believe. The Bible is clear about that. And then the second thing is what we put into our mind stays there. And that's when we have trouble thinking and sleeping and with the internal peace because we've got that garbage in our minds, right? So you understand what I'm saying here. Let's talk about these things from the text. Here's the passage. What you put into your mind comes out in your life. Look at my yellow words that I highlighted there on the text and, and look how many times that that idea is mentioned in this one paragraph. Let him show by good conduct the works that are done, the fruit of righteousness down at the bottom is sown in peace by those who make peace. The idea again is, is that these things are going to show up in, in their life. There's, there's a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about that. We just finished one. Pastor Todd gave us this. Look at the paragraph right before this. Right before this. Look at that, look at that paragraph about the, about the tongue. If you start, um, yeah, verse, verse 6. In the tongue is a fire. Pastor Todd talked with us about this. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on, sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast or bird or reptile or creatures of the sea is tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no man, man, no man can tame the tongue. God has to do that. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. My goodness. With it... We bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men? Oh my goodness, stop it. Those who have been made in the similitude, the image of God, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And then here's what James says, just like I said, brethren, these things ought not to be so. And then this. Does a spring, verse 11, send forth fresh water and bitter? We talked about that word from the same opening. Absolutely not. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and a grapevine bear, bear figs? No. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. The very next paragraph. After that, he talks about what you put into your mind, what we put into our mind. Here's one other one. I'm going I'm to quit with this one. I won't go to the next point. But Luke, Luke 6 says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, listen to that, the mouth speak. Kind of backs up what James says there, and that's in one of the Gospels. Let's talk about the second thing. What we put into our mind comes out, but what we put into our mind stays there and assaults or gives us peace, us peace. What we put into our mind comes out in our lives, but what we put into our mind stays there as well. Let's look at the passage. This, I, I, I found this to be incredibly interesting, okay? Now, remember I said, let me, let me just, again, I'm going to back up and talk with you about a, a really important principle of Bible study, and that is whenever you come to a passage in the Word of God that looks like a question mark, don't assume it's different than the rest of the Bible. The Bible is one message. Don't assume it's different. And I read this, right? And I even talked to you about it today. I've spent over a half hour, 45 minutes already, talking with you about this already. And the, th the, the question mark in this passage is wisdom? Why does it say that earthly wisdom, it sounds like wisdom is a good thing? Now, here's the point. The word wise in the Bible is mentioned 344 times. The word wisdom in the Bible is mentioned 367 times. That sounds like it's a good thing, but study it. What is James talking about when he talks about 
wisdom and understanding. Actually, it's a little bit different idea. Remember I mentioned that he is right in Greek and for a Greek audience? Because the word wise there is not the word that means godly wisdom. It's not, that's not what he's talking about. It's a word that means theory or philosophy or speculative knowledge. It's what the philosophers would do in the city. You know, that they'd sit around on this, you know, and argue with each other. And it wasn't necessarily that it was backed up by facts. It was backed up by theory. And isn't that so much today that we argue and come up with our points of view that we really don't know, but it's backed up by a theory and yet we argue about it. And then right following after that, a lot of commentators say about James, and that is that opening phrase sounds confusing. Who is wise and understanding among you? That word understanding, I, uh, I'm old, and I grew up with all that we had was the King James Version. And I think, I really do, I think maybe in this case, the King James got it right. And that is the King James says about that word understanding, who is a wise person and endued with knowledge among you. The word knowledge there really has the idea of specialized knowledge. In other words, it's something that you learned. It's something that you studied. Christy got home uh, from Germany. She's lived in Germany. This is like year 16 or 17. And before she even went to Germany, she took German language in high school, I, I don't know German. I don't, I, you know, I go there and pick up a couple words and other than that, it's sauerkraut. You know, it's, that's all I know. She studied it. She's learned it. She's immersed herself in the culture. That's the word. So if the idea here of wisdom is something that have we immersed ourselves in, and that's when it gets convicting because if the side, the earthly side of the wisdom is something that we've immersed ourselves, then no wonder it comes out of our life, and no wonder it stays in our life. And if that's the side of the chart that we've immersed in, that we've learned, then no wonder that those thoughts and people struggle with now with fear and anxiety and depression and anger and confusion, and being hypocritical, right? The exact things that this talks about. And so I think that this passage is incredibly practical for our times. Romans, and I'm going to be done. Romans chapter 16, verse 19, has a verse that honestly all of us ought to memorize. You ought to turn there, please. Memorize, underline it, highlight it, and then put it to memory. Romans chapter 16. You can study the context. Please do. Paul wrote to the Romans, I want you to be wise concerning what is good and simple. And, and literally, that's, that's a word that, that our English word simpleton <coughs> came from. Simple means stupid or ignorant. God, please hear my heart. God does not want us to immerse our minds in sin. God wants us to be stupid, ignorant, a simpleton about sin. It's okay to be naive about sin. It's okay. Bible says, I would want you to be wise. That's the biblical wisdom about what is good and be a simpleton. Be an idiot. Be stupid about sin. You don't have to know about sin to know it is sin. Right? I would have you wise. And here's, let me, I'm going to conclude with one strategy verse and I'm going to be done please take your Bibles you want to know how to do this then Romans 4 8 Romans 4 8 and I know you know this finally brethren Paul writes 
Philippians 4.8, excuse me. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate. Remember I talked to you about that word. Fill your mind. That was a word that had the idea, like seriously, like a cow chewing its cud, bringing it up again, bringing it up again, bringing it up again. Think Bible. And Paul gives us this strategy, which I was just trying to think last night and, and to illustrate this for you on a PowerPoint slide. I think Philippians 4.8 is saying this. This is, this is Mel's translation of Philippians 4.8. Build a force field around your mind. You ever watch one of those sci-fi movies? And there's a force field the enemy can't get in, Star Wars or Star Trek, the enemy can't get in because there's this force field. We build a force field around our mind by making, making by an act of our will based upon God giving us the ability to do this, to put the right kind of things into our mind, things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are a good report, not an evil report tearing people down, virtuous, praiseworthy. That those kinds of things. And the Apostle Paul here in Philippians 4 would say, fill your mind with these things. Meditate. Fill your mind with those things. And so today I think, James 3, 13 through 18, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage stays in. Garbage out, garbage comes out of our lives by our practices. Don't forget our lives demonstrate what we think and what we what we believe folks i i hope this is helpful to you this is something that pastor todd said i've been god has used in my life and and i want it to be i want the i want i want the mirror of god's word to have impact my life and i know it's heavy i know it's preachy but i think it's also incredibly practical of something that we can do to help us live in these weird days by making sure that, that we immerse ourselves in the principles of the Word of God and we fill our minds with those things. Don't make other things more important. That's how it ends up to be a disaster in our lives. Okay? I love you, and I hope you take it with that spirit. Let me pray and we'll be done. Father, I thank you for your Word. Father, these are weird days, and I've struggled with health and things like that as well. Thank you for healing. Thank you for peace and joy and love and and all of those characteristics from Spirit. And God, I just pray that I would be a person that would put the right kind of things in my mind, in my heart. God, build a force field so that I'm not putting sin into my life. And no wonder then that there's going to be fear and anxiety and depression and confusion, all the other things we talked about, because we're just putting that in there. Garbage in, garbage stays in, garbage in, garbage out. Father, I pray that your word would be incredibly practical, that we would immerse ourselves in it, and that you would give us the confidence for your word. Father, thank you for today. Thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.